Leslie, good to talk to you again. It's been a long time. It really has. <laughs> Too long. 2020 <laughs> makes it feel like it's been, I don't know, five years, but uh, it's, yeah. it's been a while anyway. Uh, how are it things really... out in BC? Oh, pretty good. The weather is uh, holding pretty nicely. My little town, I think, has just had a couple of quiet cases of COVID that haven't been discussed publicly and hopefully caught in time that it doesn't spread too far. So I feel like I'm, I don't know, in a weird little bubble, even within the weird bubbles of current life. We were talking off the air uh, previously, and you were telling me about a lucky coincidence that you almost got into a restaurant and then you didn't. And that turned out to be one of the luckiest things ever because it was like, what, 48 hours away from a COVID shutdown or something? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So we were, my partner and I, there was sort of a sense, both of us internally, that we were dragging our feet a little for no good reason. And uh, yeah, and then I was, I went to Toronto on May, on February 26th. So I wasn't home to sign all the paperwork and whatnot. And then when I got I was supposed to come home on the 14th and by the 14th we knew everything was a disaster. So yeah, we almost spent all our money in a restaurant that absolutely we wouldn't have been able to sustain. Like it just wouldn't have worked for takeout. It just wouldn't have worked. So anyway, very lucky. You are very lucky. That's great. Um, Not of course great for other people that might've been uh, caught up in all that, but we won't get into that too much because I want to keep it a little bit light because we're heading towards yeah. Christmas and the holidays and New Year's. And I want to talk to you about our favorite subject, which is wine. And of course, yeah. you were my teacher at George Brown for Wines 1. And then I think I went on to Wines 2 and dropped out. <laughs> so but you weren't there. So, But Wines 1 was what got me uh, on the road of uh, looking at wine and reading about wine and studying wine all the time. So take us through what people should be looking at for some holiday wine. Okay, well, actually, I've taken a slightly different tact in the sense that I live in this tiny little town. We have a tiny little um, uh, government liquor store, and the selection there is not good. And we we basically get by on buying what we call generalist wines. And But it's forced me to look at the generalist wines that we have in Canada. And, um, you know, for the most part, they're actually really quite solid. So I tried to pick things that um, are super widely available in Ontario, some of which I actually can get in my little hometown and have become my sort of favorites. The nice thing about Christmas in 2020 is maybe you don't have to impress people. Maybe you can just buy things that are delicious and don't break the bank. So great example. I'm going to talk about J.P. Chenet Pinot Noir, um, basic French Pinot Noir. It comes in this ridiculous squat kind of squashed looking bottle probably the most unfortunate thing about it well I suppose you might love that bottle but I find it a bit unfortunate Um, but on the other hand it is a super squeaky clean uh, Pinot Noir it's varietally really correct and when I think about you know cold turkey sandwiches you know day after Christmas kinds of um, cold meat lunches it's the perfect thing and it's $13.95 in Ontario. And, you know, Pinot Noir tends to be one of those grapes that it can be very expensive to do them well. And you pay a lot for them. So for 14 bucks here in, Ont- in BC, just to make Ontario feel a little bit lucky, we don't get to feel that lucky about our pricing very often. But here in BC, that wine sits on the list at the sh- on the shelf at $14.99. And then they add the provincial sales tax after. 
So you mentioned that it's a uh, Pinot Noir out of France, so I'm guessing it'll be a lighter bodied, so to speak, uh, wine compared to a Pinot Noir out of California or New Zealand. Exactly. So you're going to be able to see right through it. It's not terribly tannic. Um, I wouldn't call it light body, but this is a discussion. This is That's a weird argument to have, but uh, it has body. It just isn't uh, super tannic in that sense. And it's uh, just silky and really easy to drink. I love it. Excellent. What region in France is that from? Uh, well, uh, technically it's Vin de France now. If you were in wine class with me, actually, I think it was a little past, a little after you, but there was a lot of discussion of the new ways that France was organizing its its wine law. Um, and this is one of the wines that we're now seeing that reflected on the label. So hard to say where it comes from. They probably sourced it from the south of France. Um, you I know, mean, when it, people, you know, they hear French uh, Pinot Noir and they're hoping for, oh, you're going to serve me a Burgundy or something. That's yeah, what about. yeah. That, well, that, no, that. it it almost certainly isn't from Burgundy, but um, you know, it will remind you of Burgundy. Yeah, it doesn't <laughs> matter to me. I mean, I love Pinot Noir, and if I can find a Pinot Noir for thirteen ninety five, I'm all over it. Yeah, so yeah, that's great. Not your California style Pinot, though, right? More in the right. line of your your French style Pinot or German okay. style Pinot. Uh, yeah. What else you got? Uh, on the other end of the spectrum, oh, I just realized I picked two French red wines. Oh, God, What's I am. Um, I'm, totally I'm a junkie. I'm a junkie. I love French red wine. <laughs> and it's funny, my Instagram page always gives me a hell about French red wine because they're much more into the Italian wine. So bring on I the French. One, it's fine. Okay. All right. So Chateau Hochet, um, uh, which is in Fransac. It's, uh, it's a Merlot-based Bordeaux. It's $17.95. It's, um, it's the kind of wine that if I served it to my husband, he would just go, oh, yeah, it tastes classy. And, um, you know, for 18 bucks to really get um, that experience, I, I think it's, it's a classic year in and year out. I think right now they've got 2018 sitting on the shelf. I'm not going to pretend I have tasted that vintage because I haven't, but it it's one of the ones that you can just rely on being great, slightly funky, perfect, you know, Bordeaux without costing, you know, what it can cost. Sounds great. Uh, pairing for that one? Oh, yeah. See, that's when you want to, for me, break out the beef or a really, really rich winter stew. It would be great with that, too. Um, yeah. Okay, uh, so that's two from uh, from France. We've got the Pinot nailed down. We've got the 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 thicker, heavier, you could say Bordeaux. Yeah, more uh, more tannic for certain. I actually picked. Hmm, what am I going to talk about next? How about a Rioja? Okay. Yeah, Monticello. Yeah, it's um, uh, Monticello Rioja Criantha. It's uh, we all know it. We've all seen it sitting on the shelf. It's around forever and ever and ever. It costs fourteen ninety five, and it just delivers so much for the price point. Also, maybe more the kind of wine that you can just sip at a party. Um, more the kind of wine that you can just have with basic hors d'oeuvres when you have people that just want to have red wine. Um, I think that delivers a lot. Or on the other hand, you know, to go to South America for something like uh, Conchiatoro's uh, Casillo del Diablo Reserva. Um, they have a whole line. They make Malbecs and Carmeniers and Merlots and Cabernet Sauvignons. I picked the Merlot at $13.95. I mean, it's it's just delicious. You'd be really hard-pressed to find a red wine drinker that doesn't like that wine. 
Let's say you had to put all those on the table. If you were thinking like cheeses and things, which one would you probably go with? The ones that you just mentioned. Probably the, well, I mean, the Pinot Noir. Pinot Noir is always the best one, but I will, like, it's just, it just pairs with everything so well. But I will say it's not the style of wine that a lot of people are looking for. They want something that they cannot see through, something that's, you know, inky, inky, dark, um, but smooth at the same time. And that probably the the uh, Casillero de, 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 del Diablo uh, Merlot would probably be perfect for all of those wine drinkers. Still generally true that, you know, you, we hear this a lot, or at least we used to, uh, time goes by, but anyway, uh, that, you know, a 20, you know, a $25, uh, French, you could find something similar, more like a 15 or $16 Spain, Yeah. you know, is that generally still hold? I think it does. I do think, um, the way that France has reorganized their wine law is allowing them to make wines at a lower price point. Um, the reality is that a lot of the wine regions in France, not all, but a lot of them are quite small. They're restricted. And when people want those, I mean, there's just, there's just great demand for them. Um, but you look at a lot of these big brands like the Chenet, I mean, again, like the new world, like the, um, the Conciatoro, they make Merlot and Cab Sauve and I think a Syrah, um, they're just delivering well-made wine at the exact same price point as the New World areas. Um, and they're taking advantage of those, the wine law that allows that. At one time, well, anyway, it was more complicated. French wine law used to be extremely restrictive and it made it hard for them to compete at the more basic level because they couldn't include things, for example, like what the grape variety was. If it was just a basic wine, they couldn't tell you what the grape variety was. They couldn't tell you what the vintage was. And it became difficult to compare them with a product from Chile or Spain because they just they weren't the same. Now they've changed. They've upgraded their wine laws or updated their wine laws. And now it gives those basic wines an opportunity to compete. Excellent. Uh, Carrying yeah. are you done with reds or are we going to whites? Or what yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's go to whites. Okay, what do you got? So vine crafter Shannon Blanc from South Africa. Um, Chenin Blanc, crisp, super clean, um, great for people who don't like white wine or don't like sweet wines, but also don't like them to be too, too acidic. This one tends, I mean, Chenin can be extremely acidic. This one a little bit rounder though. And coming in at $10 a bottle, I mean, um, yeah, exactly. It's the kind of wine you can go out and fill a half case of this and fill a half case of the J.P. Chenet Pinot Noir. And for very little money, you've got, um, uh, you know, your holiday wine drinking taken care of. That's fantastic. What else did? Yeah, for sure. And I was thinking about the, um, uh, you know, especially Italy makes a lot of those uh, 1,500 mil bottles and 2,000 mil bottles, like two liter bottles. And I didn't include any of those, but a lot of them are actually such amazing values. I buy them a lot for cooking. And then I find that over the next few days, you know, you want just a glass of wine here and there. It's the perfect thing. Um, And because white wine sits in the fridge and doesn't tend to oxidize as quickly you can you can buy those bigger bottles so i don't know maybe i used to buy them sometimes when there's crowds of people coming over but maybe (laughs) it would be dangerous to buy that for just me and my husband (laughs) yeah exactly but but in that line the rufino or vieto classico from umbria it's just um classic clean 
dry, delicious with food, the acidity, yeah, just um, all around reliable and $12.95 a bottle, um, really, really and solid. Twelve ninety five. That's got to be what the seven fifty. I would assume. That's the seven fifty. Yeah, that's okay. the seven fifty. But these are the kinds of wines that you can sometimes get for you know twenty one dollars for the fifteen mil, or twenty maybe a little bit more than maybe like twenty three. But they're great, great values. Excellent. Uh, any other whites you got? Or we want, yeah, you I got a few. Part? I got a few. I uh, Avaleda Vino Verde. You know, for people who aren't maybe oh, big yeah. wine drinkers. Um, yeah. Yeah, soft, fairly low alcohol, little does bit that, of residual sugar, but not sweet. Does that one come with uh, some fizz in it, or what is it? Is it yeah, fat? that one is one of the ones that has some fizz in it, um, but okay. light. Mostly yeah, yeah. just you can see it in the glass, not so much that you feel it on the palate. And eleven ninety five, it's a great wine. Prettiest place I've ever been in my whole life. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Beautiful, beautiful place. Lovely. Tell us a little bit. If we about ever it. open the doors again and we get to travel. It <laughs> um, basically it was, um, I think, two generations earlier. The f- it's a huge parcel of land, and the great—I think it was the grandparents of sort of the adult generation that were really into plants and trees, and I don't know. I guess you know they were naturalists of a sort, but they went all over the world buying samples of plants and then they planted them in their garden so they had like california redwoods growing on that property and, and this uh, is where we t- just remind we're talking about portugal right we're still, yeah, yeah yeah so vino verde country is in is in the province of mino which is north of the town of porto on the coast okay. and it's the cooler area of portugal and uh just gorgeous they have a way of using water in all of their design in that part of the country that's Ah, anyway. That's lovely. Dreams, I've been to uh, I've been to Portugal, but just on you know the beachy side of life, as opposed yeah. to where you're going there. That's fantastic. That's really yeah. nice. Okay, so that's the uh, Vino Verde. What else you got? Um. Well, then I've got a few more whites. I'm I'm thinking about the Germans. So there are. I know not everybody thinks they like Riesling, and I'm not going to have any more Riesling or Chardonnay arguments with people. <laughs> but um, you know, Riesling doesn't have to be sweet. It can be wonderful when it's sweet. But there are lots of solid buys on the LCBO shelf with drier styles of Riesling. And I was just thinking of two brands that I know of right off the top of my head, the Dinehard Dry, which comes in at $13 a bottle, and another one called Clean Slate, which is about the same price. And uh, I used to work the gourmet food and wine show for Germany every year. And I watched so many people be shocked and surprised by how much they loved those wines after telling me they hated Riesling. Um, so those are also really great, great buys. Excellent. And uh, yeah. if you are listening, we're going to have these listed. I'll have them uh, up on the Instagram page so you can find the names of these wines. You don't have to jot them down or anything like that. Yeah, uh, and all widely l- available. That's great. Uh, Leslie Probum, BC, tell me about, I think I asked you for a sparkling or mm-hmm. two because New Year's is also coming up, which tends to be a time to pop corks on things it doesn't always have to be champagne but it might be what do you got <laughs> so i picked um i picked a char- uh, an italian sparkling and i picked a french sparkling okay. so uh the 
the Italian I picked was the Rotari Brut Rosé. Actually, they're both rosés, and I'm not normally a rosé fanatic, but these two particular rosés are my favorite. So the Rotari is a blend of Pinot Noir and Chardonnay. It's made traditional method, exactly the same way that uh, Champagne is made, but from the Trento region of of Italy. And uh, this is actually vintage, so it's vintage 2014, so it's been sitting on its leaves for a nice long time. It comes in at $20 a bottle. It's pink. It's frothy. It's pretty. It's uh, a really great buy. I am devastated that this is not available to me here in British Columbia. Wow, I got to pick that up. But time out for just a second. So we got to take a step yeah. back. So it's yeah. vintage, which means all the grapes are from one year. So it's That's not right. blend, it's not blended. And tell the yeah. folks about about the lees really quick. What okay, yeah. About? So one of the things that makes uh, champagne method or traditional method sparkling wine special is that um, very soon after this wine went through a fermentation, like like let's imagine it's harvested in September, by February or so, it's in the bottle that you buy at the store. And it's in there with a little bit more added sugar and the yeast starts up again. And it's the yeast eating this added sugar that creates the bubbles that we like so much in the glass. But at the same time, um, that yeast starts to die off. Now, I would imagine that if there's 2014 uh, Rotari sitting on the shelf at the LCBO, that chances are it was put in its bottle right in 2020. And uh, so for those, uh, let's say, five and a half years, um, the wine has been in contact with this dead yeast material, which sounds terrible, but actually... Um, makes more flavors, interesting bready um, aromas and flavors that you can't get any other way. It increases the texture, makes the the body fuller. Don't worry, they get rid of all that stuff before they actually um, put a final cork on it and send it out to market. But um, that's how that's made. And that's why those kinds of wines are expensive. And that's what makes them special and delicious and worthy of your yeah. attention. Yeah, it sure does. I mean, if people wanted to find it, you know, when it comes to wine tasting, you know, take a, a wine like that, which has been on the lees for a length of time, and you can really tell the difference. I mean, it makes that breadiness in the sparkling wine when it's made like that. It's just incredible. It's great. Totally. Totally. Yeah. Uh, what was the second one you mentioned? Louis Boyot. So this is a, um, uh, it's a Burgundy winemaker. And they, when they make champagne style wine in Burgundy, they call it um, uh, uh, Cremant de Bourgogne. Sorry. sorry. Oh my gosh. Cremant. And uh, yeah. yeah, I know. It's been a long time since I've <laughs> sat around spouting this stuff. And I always just assume I'm going to be able to find every bit of information I need in my mind. But sometimes I need to pick through a bit that longer. But it's also a rosé. It's also Pinot Noir based. It's $22.95 a bottle. Um, I think maybe the Rotari is a slightly better buy, but the Boyo is absolutely delicious. $22.95 versus here in British Columbia, $26.99 plus tax. Ugh, wow. anyway. It's a, it's a, you know, it's rare when we can get the people that shop at the LCBO not to complain about the prices, so this is good that they're getting a Oh, yeah, you break. move out here and it's just crushing. It's just like, what? Ah. Wow. And that was your two sparklings? 
I had. I also wanted to mention that Jackson is terrible. I'm just I'm remembering the Jackson Triggs Couve Close, and it's um you know it's not made it's not made traditional method. It's made in a closed tank. It's sixteen dollars a bottle. It's VQA, and for what it delivers, um year after year, it's um you know perfectly perfectly acceptable super fun and really affordable and and it is vqa i kind of steered away from vqa because i feel really far away um from what's going on in ontario to put it mildly you just don't see any ontario wines here and uh you know i hate to just pick on the same i hate to pick always the same things that i know are good but i haven't actually had them so um anyway there's one um, what yeah. do people look for if they don't want sweet sparkling? What's written on that label? Oh, you're looking for terms like brute. Um, I do think because um, sparkling wines are so consistent in terms of style, when you see those numbers on the labels at the LCBO, they are more meaningful. Like when you look at Riesling on the shelf and you see t- 10 grams per liter versus 15 grams per liter versus four grams per liter, it's still hard to tell what you're going to get because um, the acidity is such a huge factor. But because the sparklings all have um, great acidity, those numbers can really tell you a lot. So, you know, if they used to use ones and zeros and twos, now I think they actually tell you um, a number based on how high the acid is, those numbers will be meaningful. Like if you have two on the shelf and one has a higher number, it will be sweeter than the, the other one. And the numbers you're talking about there, that's uh, grams per liter, that's sugar. Yeah, it's sugar. All right. And that pretty much does it. I guess we're out of time. Uh, it's been great talking to you. And, you too. Yeah, I know, right? It's We, we, we leave it too long. And then we, yeah. <laughs> and then we talk about wine, we got to go away and drink them and then come back and, and let each other know how they work. That's um, a whole other kind of show. And that was Leslie Provo out in BC. Great to talk to her. I will have, as promised, all of those wines listed on the Instagram page as well as the Facebook page. You can check them out there so you didn't. Uh, you don't have to go back and try and jot them down. I hope you have a great week of wine buying and hopefully some wine imbibing as well. And we'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye.